Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, and chapter number 5. The book of Genesis, chapter number 5. We're in the very beginning of this series of the lineage of Jesus Christ. And this morning we hit the first man, Adam, the first man, who we saw in Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. Well, if you're familiar with the story of, of Adam and Eve, they would have two sons by the name of Cain and Abel. Unfortunately, Abel was slain by his brother Cain, and so Abel was not the one who would carry on this lineage that would become the Lord Jesus Christ. That distinction went to another son by the name of Seth. And as time goes on, we could see inside of this Two lineages that we find. And so we're going to fast forward just a little bit to go to the seventh person in the lineage by a person by the name of Enoch. And then what we're going to do on Wednesday is that we're going to take a comparison between Seth's godly line and Cain's ungodly line. And with it, we're going to hit more of the people within that lineage all at once. But we're taking some time to highlight someone who's very important within this lineage. And we find it in the book of Genesis chapter number 5. The book of Genesis chapter number 5, which lists Seth's godly line. And we come to Genesis chapter 5, and notice with me in verse 22. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 22. Notice with me, uh, sorry, starting at verse number 18. I'm sorry, I'm fast forwarding, getting ahead of stuff. Genesis chapter 5, starting at verse 18. The word of God says this, And Jared lived a hundred and sixty-two years, and he begat... Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 960 and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Genesis chapter number 5? Genesis chapter 5, and notice with me in verse number 22, notice the phrase, Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. And with the Lord's help, we want to do a character study of Enoch walking with God. We see that phrase once again in verse number 24, as God once again illustrates and underlines it, Enoch walked with God. And with this, we want to do a character study on Enoch and see the characteristic of his life, walked with God. Let's go to the Lord together. Let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you now, I'm just asking that you would help us with this message. Lord, I enjoy and have fun with this message. But I'm asking, Lord, that we would be able to see you through it all. That it not be my intellect, not my abilities, not my study, not my whatever. Lord, it has to be you. You have to draw your people close to you. And that's what we're trusting and depending upon. And that you would help us to have a desire in our own lives to walk with you because of whom you are. And we love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now remember, as we study the characters of the Bible, we do character studies because every life teaches a message. Everyone's life teaches a message. Your life teaches a message. My life teaches a message. And when we study the characters of the Bible, we can examine their lives and study everything that the Bible has to say concerning that historical figure. And then we could go ahead and look and find a characteristic, find something that would describe that person. Enoch is mentioned in three different passages in the Bible, and we will look at these three passages. But if you were to summarize Enoch's life, and you were to be able to see what is it that characterized the life of Enoch? It would be this phrase. Enoch walked with God. What a powerful phrase that is. Enoch walked with God. If you don't mind it, let's do a study of Enoch's life and let's see if we can learn some things from it. The very first thing I'd like to do is set up the context and show you a surrounding gloom. A surrounding gloom. In Genesis chapter 5, whether it's uh, an accurate description or not, some people have called it the graveyard chapter. Because what you have in Genesis chapter 5 is a listing of the people who lived and then they died. And they lived and then they died. And they lived and they died. And so you could see this listing, this genealogy, and you could see as it lists this godly line from Adam all the way up to Noah. And it starts off in chapter 5 verse 1. And this is the book of the generations of Adam. Once again we spoke about the generations this morning. And we saw that this idea of generations is the family tree, this lineage. And so here it is marking this generations, the lineage of Adam. And it's going to trace it all the way down to Noah. It speaks about uh, in verse number one, and this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam. In the day that they were created. And then notice in verse number three, and Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness. Now, once again, that's an interesting study that God had made Adam in his own likeness. But then Adam sinned and was away from God. And now Adam had a son that was created in Adam's own likeness, which is now marred and changed from what God had originally made him. That's a different study. You could go for that later on. But what I want to point you out is this genealogy list that you're going to see all the way through. You're going to have the father, and it's how old they were when they had the son. And Adam lived 130 years and beget a son after his own likeness and after his own image and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he begotten Seth so what's going to happen is it's going to list how old the person was when they had their child. Then after they had the child that's part of the lineage, it's going to list how long they lived after that child. And then it's going to list how old they were, verse number five, 
when they died. And all the days of Adam lived 930 years and he died. And verse number 6, and Seth. And what it's going to do is it's going to go through this entire lineage and it's going to give details of their birth, when their child was born, and when they died. It's interesting to line up, but we could see this line. Now, why is this so important? Well, in Genesis chapter 5, it is listing the godly line of Seth. In Genesis chapter 4, it's listing the ungodly line of Cain. Again, we'll examine that a little bit more on Wednesday night. But what we're seeing is that the ungodly line was winning. Why? What am I saying? Because crime was not punished. People can kill and brag about it. There was no law. There was no government. There was no punishment. People did what was right in their own eyes. In fact, notice with me in Genesis chapter number one, or chapter six and verse number five, notice how God saw and described the world. Genesis chapter six and verse five. And God saw the wickedness of man was very great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his, man's heart, was only evil continually. So if you were to describe the world that, that uh, Enoch lived in, it was a world that could be described, it was the thoughts of man were only evil. Now, it's one thing to say, here's a guy who thinks evil thoughts every now and again. But if you were to describe society as a whole at that time, it would be described that all of these men... All the people who lived in there only have evil thoughts. This is a bad world. This is a world that's corrupt. A world where crime is not punished. A place where people can murder and nothing can happen. The Bible describes or Jesus himself describes in the gospel record of Matthew and chapter number 24 and verse 39. We're not turning there. But he says that the people were only interested in the necessities of life. Of eating, drinking, and making merry. Meaning that um, marrying and giving in marriage. That they were only caring about what about themselves. That was the world they lived in. It was selfish, evil, horrible, corrupt. And this is the setting that we find Enoch living in. He's living in a time where everyone is evil. And so that makes the phrase of Enoch much more powerful. That Enoch walked with God. Do you know, we live in such an evil world and people get in their mindset that no one can walk with God anymore. That brings me to my second thing, saving grace. Saving grace. Notice if you don't mind, as we now go back to Enoch, notice with me in verse number 21. And Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. So Enoch was a regular guy just like everyone else. One day he got married, had a son, and his son's name was Methuselah. Interesting, just to see names were important. Methuselah's name is a very interesting name. It means, when he is dead, it shall come. How would you like your name to be that? That when you die, the world is going to end. By the way, when Methuselah died, that's when the flood came. It's an interesting thing. We'll study that later. But can you imagine you're naming your kid that? When you die, the world ends. It's done and over with. That's the type of world that Enoch lived in. That was the type of world. Everything was evil. Everyone was doing wrong. But notice this next verse. Verse 22. 
And Enoch walked with God, notice this word, after he begat Methuselah. Now we don't know what happened when Methuselah was born. We don't know what circumstances, we don't know what happened. But we do know there was a change in Enoch. That after Methuselah, Enoch made a decision he was going to walk with God. He had an encounter with God. Now, this phrase is so important. The book of Amos chapter 3 and verse 3 says this. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? So, when we talk about that Enoch walked with God... We're not talking about a casual acquaintance. We're talking about two people who are walking together in step because they agree with each other. They're going to the same place. They're going the same speed. They have the same thing in mind. They have the same goal. They are moving together. That's what it means to walk with God. You know, I don't know how people try to define this idea of walking together, but how can two walk together unless they be agreed? If we're going to walk with God, that means we have to have His mind. Now, know know this, that God will not lower Himself to our thinking. We have to come to His way of thinking. We have to come to Him and begin to walk as He walks because He is not changing whom He is. So Enoch had to learn to walk with God, and that meant to have the same mind that God had. To have the same purpose that God had. To have the same goal. To have the same frame of mind. To have the same gait. To have everything same. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? Now notice as it goes on in verse 23. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Now notice. Enoch started to follow God, started to walk with God at 65 years of age. How long did he walk with God? Well, he lived 365. So he walked with God for 300 years. In a time where no one else wanted anything to do with God. In a time when crime was not punished. In a time where everything is going. Now, by the way, technology is advancing in Genesis chapter 4. You could see all the inventions that are happening. Music has now been invented. Cities are forming. Societies and civilizations are coming together. The advancement was not the problem. They're not living in dark ages. They're living in ages of discovery and advancement. But they're living in a time... Where nobody walks with God. Today we have an idea in our world, in our culture, that no one could walk with God because you would stand out way too much. Well, can you imagine living in a society where everyone is evil? How much Enoch stood out and compared to a crowd that everyone wanted to do things that were evil continually. That's a powerful testimony for him to make a decision to walk with God even when everything else was horrible. Even when everything else was evil, he was still going to walk with God. And how can two walk together unless they be agreed? That brings me to another thing. We talked about... 
the surrounding gloom, the context of the time that it's awful. We saw the saving grace. There was a time that something changed in Enoch's life and he made a decision he was going to walk with God and he was going to walk with God no matter what the circumstances. He was going to stay with God. And to think about that he walked with God consistently for 300 years. That's older than most people in this room. That's a long time to walk with God. And he was consistent at it. Which brings me to another thing. Simple goodness. Simple goodness. What are we talking about? Let's see his testimony. Enoch had a twofold testimony. We're going to come back here eventually. But let's see the testimony that Enoch had. First of all, let's go to the book of Hebrews. And let's see the testimony that Enoch had towards God. Let's see the testimony he had towards God. In the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11... Notice as the Bible describes Enoch in chapter 11 and verse number 5. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5. We can see the testimony that Enoch had with God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found. Why? Because God had translated him. For before his translation he, Enoch, had this testimony... That he pleased God. What was the testimony that Enoch had with God? He pleased God. Now notice the next verse ties into this perfectly. But without faith it is impossible to please him. So in verse 5 Enoch had the testimony he pleased God. Verse number 6 defines what do we mean by this? What do you mean by pleasing God? Well, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what was the type of life that Enoch had? He had the faith life. He trusted in God. He believed that God could do anything because he was God. He trusted him. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he, that includes Enoch, that cometh to God, must believe that he, God is, that God is God, and that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Enoch understood what pleased God was faith. And for 300 years, he had this testimony towards God that he pleased God. That he walked with God. Now this adds quite a bit. What type of testimony do you have towards God? Could he have that testimony that this is someone who walks with me? This is a testimony of someone who pleases God me. This is someone who is known for their faith in me. Now, sometimes people speak about these terms as if Enoch had some type of supernatural, unreachable walk with God. But I, may I tell you, this is the type of walk that God wants to have with you. And he's made available to have to you. You are always as close to God as you want to be. And if you want to walk with God, good news, you can. You can walk with God. Now, what does walking in God include? Well, we described that how two, can two walk together unless they be agreed. That we have the mindset of Christ. We have the mindset of God. We have the desire of God. We spend time with Him when we know how He thinks. We know how He acts. We know what He desires. But it also has this, that we have faith in God. That we believe that God can. That's part of that walking with God. That we 
have faith with him. Now, we could see the testimony that Enoch had towards God. But what about the testimony he had towards men? Well, notice with me in the book of Jude. If you're in the book of Hebrews, keep turning towards the end of the Bible. The book of Jude is right before the book of Revelation. Jude is only one chapter. And the book of Jude, the next to last book in the Bible, goes back to the beginning. And it happens to mention Enoch. And it mentions his testimony towards men. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of Jude, chapter number, or one chapter, verse number 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, meaning the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. That's pretty amazing. That here, Enoch prophesied, he preached of these things, speaking about uh, prophecy things, that God is coming back with ten thousands of his saints. What are they going to do? Verse 15, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of their hard speeches, which the ungodly sinners have spoken against them. Did you count how many times the word ungodly is used? Now again, what type of world did Enoch lived in? He lived in a world that was ungodly, where it was only evil continually. And yet, not only did Enoch walk with God and have a testimony of faith towards God, but he also had a testimony to the people around him. Whether they liked it or not, he preached to them that Jesus Christ is coming. God is coming back, and we need to be ready for it. And when God comes back, he's going to execute judgment upon all. To convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds that they have ungodly committed. And of all their hard speeches which the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Who's that him? Against God. Here walked with God. And when he walked with God, how can two walk together unless they be agreed that they had the same mindset, the same gait, the same understanding. They walked together. We understood that walking together to please God had the idea that he faithed God. He had faith in God. That he was pleasing to God. And he had a testimony to those around him. That is someone who follows God. And that's someone who's going to declare God's word to other people and tell them that Jesus Christ is coming. And to make that preparation. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That was the testimony that he had. Well, his story doesn't end. Turn back with me to the book of Genesis chapter number 5. Genesis chapter 5. Now, if we just put a pin in that right there, that's still a good message of itself to hear. Here's someone in the midst of utter, utter darkness, utter chaos, ungodliness, made a stand and he was going to walk with God. But God wasn't finished yet. Notice with me in verse, uh, chapter 5 and verse 24 again. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now what in the world does this mean? That here's Enoch, he's 365 years old. If you would notice the rest of this genealogy, people are living 800, 900 years old. At 300, he's gone. What happened? Well, it said the Bible took, or that God took him. Does that mean that he just died? He had a heart attack? He had a, what does that mean? Well, let's see what the Bible has to say. Turn back with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. Hebrews, chapter 11. We were just there. 
Hebrews chapter 11, and notice with me in verse 5. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. What does it mean that God took him? We want to see this sudden glory. Notice in verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated. This word translated means to be carried over or to be carried across. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Now that's pretty important here. He was carried over, he was carried up, so he could not see death. You know what that means? Enoch never died. One day he was walking with God, and God says, Well, Enoch, you're closer to my house than your house. Why don't you come home with me? And God took him. He translated him. And he brought him, and he did not die. And he was not found, meaning no one found his corpse. You couldn't find him. They put him on milk cartons, and it still didn't turn up anything. They could not find him. Why? Because God had translated him. He carried him off. He carried him away. He carried him across. For before his translation, notice several times this word translation carries the idea. Now, we have a word that we have made up that we use commonly that means the same thing. It is the word rapture. He was raptured up that he would not see death. What a wonderful picture. You know one of the reasons why we can believe in the rapture? Because God did it before. Here's someone that God said, nope, you're coming home with me. And he did not see death. What do we mean by the rapture? Well, we understand there is a time that Jesus Christ is coming back. Jesus Christ, who was God robed himself in flesh, lived on this earth, lived the same life that you and I lived, went through the same temptations, the same troubles, the same heartbreaks. Then Jesus, who was God, died on the cross to pay for your sins and to pay for mine. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. On the third day, he rose again. For 40 days, he spent time with his disciples. And then he was ascended up to heaven, alive forevermore. And one day that same Jesus is coming back in like fashion. And when he comes back, he is going to meet us in the air. And rapture us, translate us, so there are some of us who will not die. What do you mean some of us? Well, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, and you're not dead when Jesus comes back, he's taking all of you. Some of us may see the idea of death, but we're going to be taken then too. We'll just have to see the corridors of death first. Now, the Bible speaks about this event all over the scriptures. May I just show you a couple of passages? Turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians 15, and notice with me towards the end of the chapter, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 51. 1 Corinthians 50 and 15, starting at verse number 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That word sleep is a nice, kind Bible way of saying died, that we're dead. We shall not all sleep, but guess what? We shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trump shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The Bible says there's coming a time. 
that Jesus Christ comes back. When the last trump so sound. And in a twinkling of an eye. That is one one thousandth of a second. We're here and then we're gone. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then us that are alive and remain shall catch and meet them in the air. There are some people who will not see death. That's why it goes on a little bit later in verse number 15. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which give us us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse number 55. Oh death where is thy sting? There are some people who will not see death. But then it says oh grave where is thy victory? There are some people that may die. But you're not going to stay dead. You are going to be raptured out. You're going to be resurrected. We're going to get brand new bodies. And we will all be changed. That the same translation, the rapture that Enoch took a part of, there are many people who will be alive who will take part of that rapture. And they're going to be translated up, carried away, raptured up. Oh, what a wonderful time that will be. The Bible speaks about it in more passages. Let's turn just to one more. Turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Oh, this is good stuff. Because the next thing on God's calendar is the rapture. May I clear off a little spot here and say there are no more signs and no more wonders that have to be completed. By the way, we should not be looking for the signs of the Antichrist. We're looking for Jesus Christ to come back. There is nothing that has to be done. I don't care what the news says and Facebook says and the prophecy preacher and the radio preachers. There is nothing that has to be lined up. There are no more signs, no more wonders. Nothing has to be done in Jerusalem. Nothing has to be done in the Middle East. Nothing has to be done in America. Nothing has to be done in America or England. Nothing has to be done in the skies. No planets have to be aligned. There is nothing left on God's calendar except the rapture. That is the next event. That is what we're looking for. We're not looking for the signs of the times. We're looking for the Christ of the second coming. Not just the second coming of Christ. We're looking for the Christ that is coming. That is our hope. That is our blessed hope the Bible says. Well what happens during this rapture? Well notice with me in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And notice with me in verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. Meaning I don't want you to lack this information. I want you to have this information. I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. Concerning them which are asleep. Or those who have passed away. That ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died. And rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. By the way, how fast does this go? One 
one thousandth of a second, in a twinkling of an eye, that that quickly the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we that are alive and remain shall meet him together in the air, and forever will be with him. This is our next event. God is calling us home. Oh, we're looking forward to this time. And it is a real time. It's something that Enoch went through as a testimony unto us that this is going to happen. That God is going to rapture us up. And we know that in Enoch's time, the world was awful and the world was evil. But Enoch's hope was always in God and that God was going to keep his promise. And because of that, he developed the testimony that he walked with God. So let me ask you, dear friend, there is no question that we live in an evil world. And to our dismay, it seems like the world is getting eviler and eviler. Ungodly and more ungodly. And may I even say this one? The world is getting more stupid and more stupid all the time. I'm just amazed at the stupidity of mankind. I don't know why I'm so surprised, but I am just outstandingly surprised with the stupidity of man. But you know... The situation of the world, the circumstances we find ourselves in, does not determine whether we can walk with God or not. You are always as close to God as you want to be. Why wouldn't somebody want to be? Because we don't want to agree with God together. That's where it begins at. Are you willing to agree with God? To allow God to tell you what's right? To tell you what is wrong, what needs to change, what needs to be fixed, what you should do. Are you allowing him to lead you wherever you need to go? He leadeth me, he leadeth me. Oh, blessed thought. You understand we have a God who wants to take us by the hand. And he wants to walk with us step by step by step. He just wants you to desire that for yourself. If you want to walk with God, you can. And what a testimony that Enoch had for 300 years. This was his testimony that he walked with God. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.